When I was 16 years old, I watched a movie called Into the Wild. This movie, based on John Krakow's award-winning novel, would be a catalyst for the rest of my life, influencing every decision I made, every thought I had, and every action I took. For years after watching this film, I knew I had to reach America, find out what all the fuss was about. This week's episode, Backcountry. It entails the aspirations of me, a lifelong admirer of the wild and keen to make the most of my time in America's most prodigious national park, Yosemite. Planning travel routes, national parks to visit, highways to drive down, and sights to see. I'd spent many years planning this trip in my head. Seven years on from watching that film, I'd finally find myself on American soil. It would be summer in the US when I touched down and I dreamed of surfing California my entire life. So that's where I headed first. California, here we come. After spending nearly four months on the western coast, which included spending two months as a rock climbing instructor in Arizona, I was ready to become a tramp. A rubber tramp, that is. But before I could do this, I needed to get a new visa. So I headed north for a few weeks to Vancouver, Canada, before flying back into the City of Angels. One ticket to Yosemite, I said to the bus attendant. It was 9am and I had just arrived with a new visa in hand in LAX. Looking at me blankly, the bus attendant said, Ah, sir, I don't believe there is a bus going out that way. It's pretty far, you do know that. My sheer ignorance had led me to believe that Yosemite was in arm's reach from LAX. Wrong. Those dreamy rock formations lay some 550 kilometres away, a 10-hour bus ride. Looking at my options, I decided to hop on a Greyhound, a private bus service to the nearest and largest town to Yosemite. Fresno, it was called, referred to others as the armpit of California, and they're probably not wrong. By the time I arrived, it was nearly 4pm, and I still had five hours of driving time before reaching the national park. I'd arranged for a friend who lived in Yosemite to come and pick me up from a town just beyond the park's walls, but we were meant to meet at 8pm, the deadline quickly slipping away from me. Arriving in Fresno, I walked to the bus station, where I'd ask again, One ticket to Yosemite, please. A pause. Sorry, sir, the last bus left an hour ago. You'll have to wait until tomorrow. Counting the flight from Canada to LA, plus the five-hour bus ride I'd just embarked on, my head was starting to hurt. The travel, and having yet to eat that day, it was all starting to take its toll. Unsure of where I'd spend the night, and now, with a splitting headache, I decided to perch myself on a curb, just outside the nearest gas station. Head in lap and going through the many possibilities of how I could still arrive in Yosemite that night, I was at an end. There was no solution. I'd have to wait. Before I was about to set off in search for the nearest motel, a bus pulled up in front of me. A message from God, I thought. Hey, is this bus heading towards Yosemite by any chance? The bus driver looked at me, unimpressed with my inquiry. The many years of driving in straight lines and dealing with Fresno locals looked like they had taken a toll on her. Why you ask? She replied, while sizing me up with her eyes. I need to get there tonight, but the last bus has already left and I have nowhere to stay. Now, even more unimpressed by my lack of stability, and sleeping arrangements, she replied. This bus is no longer in service. 
but I need to drop it off at the depot about an hour out from Yosemite. I can take you there, but don't tell anyone. Course not, I said. Let me just get some cigarettes from the gas station before you get on. 10pm, and I'd be dropped off when my friend was kindly awaiting me. It had been a long day, but Yosemite was in reaching distance, and my dreams would soon be actualized. My friend and I planned to leave from her house inside the park at 0500 the next morning. The vast expanse and rock formations of Yosemite awaited us. However, the park is one of America's most populated attractions, with every trail lined with people. So to steer clear of this, we'd head into the backcountry, the wild. No tracks, no lines, no people. Just us and the bare regions of Yosemite. I could see cracks of sunlight seeping through the cottage walls. It must be time to get up. On cue, my alarm. My legs and head still sore from the preceding day were soon to be forgotten. My excitement turned into adrenaline and I was ready to get on the road. We'd have to drive a couple hours from my friend's house before reaching our entry point into the thick forest of Yosemite's northern expanse. Getting out the car, the frosty air reminded me winter was fast approaching. And while this set a great temperature for rigorous hiking, it also set off a few alarm bells in my mind. Yosemite National Park supports over 250 species of vertebrates, including fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and nearly 90 species of mammals. Carnivores are perhaps the most widely recognised group of mammals in Yosemite. Grizzly bears once roamed the area, but are now extinct, since the last individual was shot in the early 1920s. Today, though, the park's mammal members include coyotes, foxes, raccoons, bobcats, mountain lions, and notably, the American black bear. On our trek into the backcountry, my friend and I bought a bear canister, a heavy black cylinder. This is where we would store our food, or anything that sent off a strong scent. Hopefully, it would prevent bears wandering into our campsite in the night, searching for our prized canned beans and energy bars. Despite knowing the dangers of bears and mountain lions, I was simply undeterred. The wild awaited me, and I awaited it. People often ask if I am weary of sharks when I'm out in the ocean surfing, and the unequivocal answer I give, my passion for surfing is greater than my fear of sharks, and in this case, the same can be said for Yosemite's carnivores. After nearly eight hours of bush bashing, we decided to set up camp in an open plain overlooking some of Yosemite's northern ridges. It doesn't get much better than this, I thought. Hours would pass, and soon we'd be warmed by the embers of our fire, telling stories of our travels. Eventually, all I could see was the fire. The one sunlit ridges faded off into blackness, a sheer reminder that there was nothing but ourselves out here. Eyes fury, we packed it in for the night, readying ourselves for the 15-hour hike awaiting us the next day. We had planned to wake before the sun and set off east for Cloud's Rest, one of Yosemite's largest peaks. Laying there, running through the many tracks we'd have to walk back on our route the next day in my mind, I had a cold feeling overrun me. Goosebumps. Strange, I thought. An overwhelming feeling of trepidation. But why? I couldn't work it out. I decided to pop my head out of the tent and have a look. Maybe there was something out there, something I could sense. Sure enough, as I stepped out, an elk. In the not-so-far-off distance, its shape, lit by the night sky, made it discernible from the other native animals. I hurried back into the tent, where the warmth of my sleeping bag and friend dulled any previous feelings of angst. Minutes would pass, 
and just as I began to doze off, a sound, a deep, fear-forming sound, one I'd never heard, but somehow knew exactly what it was. The sound only one animal makes and has the capacity to. I heard it coming from afar, down a nearby ridge. Then a tree snap. Grab my knife, but knowing the size of my knife compared to the mammal fast approaching, I stood, no chance. My friend woke, but riddled with fear froze. What can we do, I thought. This is it. I'm helpless. Black bears aren't known for confronting, let alone eating humans, but startled, they can attack. Weighing anywhere up to 300 kilos, my skinny 60 kilo frame did not stand a chance. The ground begins to shake with every step the bear takes. Then all of a sudden, just beyond the tent, it stops. Ponders, and then lets out this mighty roar. It is in these moments where time starts to slow. I consider everything, my family, friends, decisions, everything that has led up to this point. Regardless of how real the threat of this bear attacking us is, I feel whatever happens next is not going to be great. I remember saying to myself, not like this, not like this. I was just disappointed. I'd been such a fool to land myself in such a vulnerable situation. I had so much more to give to life and wasn't ready to go out being mauled by a bear. I lay there in total silence, frozen hard like ice with fear, clinching at my knife, the now only hope I had of making this out in one piece. The bear, however, would come no closer. For whatever reason, it seemed our tent was made of iron that night, a front this bear did not want to cross. I didn't sleep, not for the rest of the night. How could I? Would it return? What else is out there? Mountain lions? Please, no. The tent would begin to brighten up as morning light flooded through the air vents. With daylight, I could gather my thoughts more clearly. The road. We needed to head for the road. And don't ever look back, I thought. We quickly packed the tent, grabbed the bear canister, and headed for the motorway. We'd hike for another 15 hours that day before making it to the summit of Cloud's Rest. It was one of the more beautiful sights I had seen in my life. Not simply due to the demands a 15-hour hike places on any hiker, but a sense of freedom and undertaking. I'd made it. They say life flashes in front of your eyes before you die, and in my case, I can say it's true. It's almost like my life had become one long shopping list. All the things I'd done and all the things I'd set out, but hadn't yet. At 22, I'd done a lot with my life, and I was proud to say that. But seeing how many more items I had on my shopping list gave me a sheer sense of sadness, anger, and underachievement in that moment of confrontation. I felt I'd rested on getting by for too long. My goals were not up to scratch, and they needed to be more deliberate. My life had to be more intentional. It would take a few weeks for the PTS to wear off, but eventually... I'd find myself hitchhiking across North America. My dreams were being actualized. I spent many hours puzzling a now fading image of that shopping list which had flashed before my eyes in the moment of confronting my mortality. It sounds odd, but the bear put me on the straight. It gave me a plan, a direction, and an idea of how I'd like the foreseeable future to pan out. 
I wanted to be a journalist. I just hadn't known it yet. I loved writing. I loved politics. And I enjoyed speaking out against injustice. I had never considered that I could join all three into a profession until what I called my Jesus moment. While sitting in a cafe some three months after my endeavours through Yosemite's backcountry, the shopping list had never seemed so clear. With the PTS faded and my life now back to normality and travelling North America, I could see clearly into the future. Over three years on, and I'm just under two months away from completing my journalism degree here, back home in Melbourne, Australia. Needless to say, i spent much time since then ensuring my items on the shopping list get ticked off. Spending more time with family, saying yes to every experience, being a positive influence on my friends, and most importantly, relishing the life I live. That night, three years ago in Yosemite, the bear went searching for food, but left with none. I went looking to get lost, but found my way. I'm Jesse Burns, and this is my Brink to Beginning. Today's episode is created, produced, and spoken by me, Jesse Burns. Music by Chad Crouch and Blue Dot Sessions. We look forward to you tuning in in the coming weeks for new episodes. But for now, keep on living. Keep on living.